0: Braves, Bulldogs, Falcons, Yellow Jackets, Hawks, Eagles. From the heart of Georgia, it's the Bill Shank Show.
1: Today is the day pitchers and catchers have reported to spring training. With that, we welcome you to our program. Happy Wednesday, happy baseball season, happy new year. Whatever you want to say, baseball is back and... There are people on the fields of Florida and Arizona, probably as we speak, getting ready for the upcoming baseball season that will start in about six and a half weeks. We can't wait. We'll talk a lot about that today. We'll have a guest later on in this hour. Justin Toscano from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, AJC.com will join us. We'll get his thoughts on spring training as it's beginning. Can't wait for that. Looking forward to it. So, we will be talking about that. Also, Hawks trade rumor. Oh, I love trade rumors. You know I do. So, we'll talk about that in our next segment. And there's a whopper out there. And no, it has nothing to do with LeBron almost going to the Warriors before the trade deadline last week. I do not care. Unless it had been a three-team deal with Atlanta, I do not care. And it wasn't, so I don't care. And I think all the (laughs) stories about LeBron are tiring. Anyway, we are uh, ready for baseball. You know, it's sunshiny outside. Beats the heck out of what we saw on Monday. And pitchers and catchers did report today to Northport. And pitchers and catchers and position players have been reporting to camps all over. Florida and Arizona, and it's been obviously uh, kind of a gradual thing where the players get in, and as I said on Monday, you know, they a lot of times will rent houses. These people are rich, remember. They'll rent houses for two months, and they'll come on in in early February just to get out of the cooler, cold weather, wherever they may be, Living in the all season and come to Florida and 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 kind of enjoy the beautiful weather down there. I want to see what the temperature is in Northport right now. I mean, it's it's very. I don't want to, I don't want to complain about the weather compared to Monday. It's we're on the south of France for crying out loud, but it is very nice outside today. It's 64 and sunny in Macon, Georgia, and so you can't you can't really complain about that. Now let me see. I swear I hate this new. Stupid weather channel app is so awful. Northport, Florida. Let's see if it pops up here. Here it is. North Port, Florida. So right now in North Port, Florida, it is 74 and sunny. mundo, as Arthur Fonzarelli used to say. That is pretty good weather right there. And it was a nice high of 74, low tonight of 58. So you can't beat that right there. And it'll be about the same tomorrow, a little hotter, a little warmer, 78 tomorrow in Northport, so perfect. And you know the bad thing, if you will, about Florida in the month of February, a lot of times I've gone down there at spring training now. and This was in Orlando, and it's probably even worse in Northport because it's a lot closer to the ocean in, in Northport than it is in Orlando. The breeze can be cold, and so you, you have to wear a jacket. You have to take a jacket to spring training in Florida because it can get still chilly in February, of course, and the breeze will make it plumb cold. But as you are bundled up because of the cold or cooler weather, because of the wind, you get a sunburn because that's just kind of the way it is. I can't tell you the number of Februarys in my lifetime have gone down there and have been freezing because of the wind and yet <laughs> had to use sunscreen because of that. So it's uh, it's always kinda funky F U N K Y weather down there in Florida in the month of February. And I mean it's Valentine's Day, it's mid February, so it is uh it is uh obviously the middle of the month and we've got several more weeks before we get to March, and then it'll be ready to go. Braves start playing next week. Next Saturday, they'll have their first exhibition game, and then they'll have around 30 games and a couple of days off in between to get ready for their opening day when they go to play the Philadelphia Phillies in Philadelphia, which makes so much sense. I mean, Atlanta, much warmer climate in late March than Philadelphia. Coldest time I've ever been in my life was in Philadelphia in late march i mean and i went to green bay in november when it was four and i swear you're going to think i'm crazy it was colder that day in philadelphia in march of like i don't know what it was 2006 maybe something like that it was uh, a while back but it was awful weather in philadelphia and of course major league baseball in its infinite wisdom has decided to start the brave season in philadelphia which makes no sense whatsoever. It makes even less sense when you see a team of the Dome Stadium all open on the road in early April as well. It makes no sense. So, um, anyway, we we've got a lot to to chat about when it comes to the Braves. And uh, of course, we're going to be doing it for the next 6 weeks. It's going to get old old news to you. You're going to get tired of it, but it's what spring training is all about. And um you know, one thing I've been surprised I really thought that Rob Manford, the idiotic commissioner of baseball, was going to uh, do something about reseeding the playoffs. And I guess that's something that it's not that big of a deal. It can be done fairly easily and fairly quickly. It doesn't have to be done in March or February. He, he could say it in any month he wants to. He could say it in September. Hey, by the way, we're going to reseed the playoffs so that the number one seed, for example, Gets the lower seed, which would have, if it had happened last year after the first round, the Braves would have played Arizona instead of Philadelphia. Now, it doesn't mean the Braves would have scored more than eight runs in four. I say that out loud, and it's just like boggles your mind. Yes, four games, eight runs, and no wonder they lost three of the four. And some could say they were lucky to win the one they won in Game Two because of the unbelievable play that that uh, was made by Michael Harris and especially Austin Riley. But still, uh, the reseeding of the playoffs is something I think is very easy and needs to happen. It, it's just you know it's done in football and it's um, very easy to do. Say, well, you know the 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 higher seed is not going to play the team in that bracket no matter what. They're going to play. The lower seed that's still standing after that first round. So I hope they do that, and and I again that could come at any time, uh, at any time now or later. I don't think there has to be any kind of plans for that because it all depends on who's winning in that first round. But we're going to have a lot of brace storylines. Of course, the left fielder Jared Kelnick is the one. Hard to believe, but the one new position player on this team. Last year we had one new position player on the team with with Sean Murphy, of course, who shares the catching position with Travis Darnot. Now we've got a new left fielder on this Braves team with Jared Kelnick, who was a, um, uh, you know, Jared Kelnick was a tremendous prospect with the Mets. First-round draft pick out of high school. Mets then traded him in the Edwin Diaz trade a few years ago to Seattle. He really became a a huge piece of Seattle's Seattle's rebuild and never really materialized. And uh, he had a good year last year, but he got hurt in the middle of the year, and that really sidetracked his year. But the Braves got him and and are paying a pretty decent amount of money for him, even though personally he's cheap for a couple of years because he's uh, still got two years before arbitration. But the Braves, uh, of course, have had to swing several trades to get out from under the player's really contracts that Seattle sitting back in return. Of course, Marco Gonzalez being one of those and um, the the kid that hadn't played in several years, uh, the, who I don't even know where he wound up. I think he's still out there somewhere. Maybe maybe he's maybe he's calling on with someone else. But anyway, he's not going to be in Atlanta. Jared Kelnick's going to be in Atlanta, and he's going to be the left fielder. And, of course, that pitching staff. Chris Sell, Reynaldo Lopez, Aaron Bummer, the main three improvements in this pitching staff and of course Lopez is kind of the wild card because he could either start or he could relieve and uh, I know when Justin Toscano joins us at the bottom of the hour he will talk in in detail about the fifth starter's job because I love it when there is a fifth starter's competition in spring training I really do I think that's really cool it's always fun because you want to see every every time every time the every time the candidates for the fifth starters job um, are are on the mound, you want to you want to, you want to see that and you want to see how they do what what they do and and you know what the team is feeling about them so that's gonna be fun. I'll never forget when Horacio Ramirez was trying to win a job in the Atlanta rotation and I can't remember who he was battling several others. It was the year after Tom Glavin had left Atlanta. So it was like the first spring training without Tommy Glavin. And, of course, he went to the Mets, unfortunately. And so, um, you know, they had a competition to kind of fill that. And, uh, obviously, it was Horacio Ramirez, who had a couple of good years for the Braves before he got hurt and, and uh, then went on to Kansas City for a little while. But, still, it was um, a competition, and that's always something I want to I want to stop and pause for a minute because uh CNN has just busted in on their coverage of of uh Donald Trump. Uh there has evidently been shots fired at the Kansas City Chiefs victory parade in Kansas City. Now, that 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 has just happened evidently and Uh, I I do not know any more details than just what I just told you. They just pretty much had a a shot of some people walking pretty quickly to get out of the area. Uh, I'll let um, um, Alex back at the studio keep an eye on that for me. But it's at Union Station, and uh, they have told people to leave the area there in Kansas City. That is where the Kansas City Chiefs were having their victory celebration, their victory parade. So I'll keep an eye on this on the news stations. Uh, of course, they're not covering uh, the victory parade for the, for the Kansas City Chiefs. They're covering supposed news. But um, there have been shots fired near Union Station at Kansas City, and so we will keep an eye on that. I'm now following the Kansas City Police twitter account which i never thought i would i would follow to to see exactly what they what they say but uh that's it work our officers are working to clear union station itself we will release everyone inside the building once that is complete we are still trying to determine the number of shooting victims we are releasing everyone from inside the union station so there you go um let me see if let me just read this vehicle and pedestrian Traffic crossing locations at certain intersections on the parade route are now closed. You must now remain on your side of the street until the conclusion of the parade. No, that was a little bit earlier. That was four hours ago. Forgive me. So I'm just trying to to keep an eye on this and see what's happening. Now Fox has busted in on their coverage, and they are now covering this. This is from WDAF in Kansas City, a, a, um, a uh, local affiliate there in Kansas City. The uh, area that they had the parade does not look very populated. It, um, there's still a lot of people there in this grassy area in Kansas City. Now there are a couple of, uh, of long shots, if you will, faraway shots that WDAF has in, in their coverage. And uh, I don't really see people scurrying around. There are, people are leaving. People seem to be leaving and getting away. Uh, but they do not have any type of of, um, uh, of you know, it's no panic involved. Now, uh, just a moment ago, shots were fired, just according to the Kansas City Police Twitter account. Shots were fired west of Union Station near the garage, and multiple people were struck. We took two armed people into custody for more investigation. So, hope, hopefully, that has the people who were doing the shooting in, in custody there. And um, but it it didn't happen near where the where the Chiefs fans were celebrating their Super Bowl from just a couple of days ago. So we'll keep an eye on this. I mean, we we, you know, this is obviously a sports slash news story. But if it's something of that nature, we like to keep you involved with something going on that's uh, kind of big. And I think when you gather God knows how many people there were in Kansas City for that parade and that celebration. There's no telling. I mean, that is a humongous area that they had the parade. It looks like, you know, uh, Central Park in New York. It was so big. Obviously, uh, most of these large cities have these areas where if they can have some type of of huge celebration, I don't really think Atlanta does. I mean, Atlanta had to take everybody back to the stadium after they had their parade after the 2021 World Series. But Kansas City has a, a huge area that must be union station that they're talking about that um has been where the fans have congregated for the parade so again we'll we'll keep a watch on this and see what's going on hopefully no one was hurt but um obviously the lights on that right now and there are some ambulances around there's a heavy police presence as well so We'll just kind of keep an eye on this as we go along here. So, anyway, uh, back to the Braves here. Forgive me for interrupting that, but I did want to let you know about that little situation, which obviously, hopefully, pray, to pray for Lee, we will not have anybody hurt there. The um, The fifth starter's job is going to be huge. I think how that kind of domino effect will go with, with the bullpen and how that will be um, dealt with, if you will. That's going to be very interesting uh, how some of these prospects show in spring training and just to keep everybody healthy. That That's the most important thing is just simply to keep everybody healthy. So I, I think that is extremely interesting to me, just the competitions that will go on for this team in spring training and how they will handle all of that and what um, – who will step up we always have surprises in spring training think about last year when dylan dodd and jared schuster did very well uh dylan Dodd's still with the organization jared schuster now in chicago with the white Sox, obviously part of the aaron bummer trade and but there were there are always surprises always some kind of surprise that somebody will come out of nowhere or a non-roster player or a young player of a, a, a minor leaguer or something of that nature always something of that and, um, you know, that, that's uh, – we'll have to just see kind of who does well in spring training to kind of have that type of uh, breakout because that's always something that could happen. Uh, Kirby Smart announced a couple of changes on his coaching staff today. Special teams coordinator Scott Cochran and Daryl Dickey, who is an offensive analyst, have resigned at UGA to pursue other opportunities. Kirk Benedict, who served on Kirby's staff as a special teams analyst the last two seasons, will be promoted to special teams coordinator. And the release said earlier today that the – Kirby said, I want to thank Scott and Daryl for their contributions to Georgia football. We wish them all the best moving forward. Really no idea if they left on their own or if they're leaving or uh, to to truly get another job or, or what. But Scott Cochran, of course, had been at Alabama for years with Nick Saban. Kirby had tried to get him to join the staff when Kirby took over back in 2016. He was not successful at that point. And then a few years later, uh, it was uh, he was successful in getting Scott Cochran to join the Georgia staff as the special teams coordinator. Of course, Cochran had to leave for a while for a personal reason and then came back to UGA and was there for the last couple of years. So uh, they were very close, Kirby and Scott Cochran, very close when both were at Alabama under Nick Saban. And so we'll see where Scott Cochran winds up. Hopefully everything's good with him, and he has a different job that he's going to. And Gerald Dickey's been around for a long time uh, as an offensive coach, so he's probably getting ready to be on someone's staff, I would imagine. But those two changes were announced today. CNN now reporting that multiple victims have been harmed in the Super Bowl parade shooting in Kansas City. Uh, this, according to police, and, and again, let me look at the Kansas City, Kansas City Twitter account because obviously they're getting that from the Kansas City Twitter account and um, uh, the police department. Um, I don't really see anything else on here about that, so CNN must be getting that from not the Twitter account, but for from someone else that is reporting that on the Kansas City police beat or someone of that nature, they have not tweeted that. But CNN has been told now that multiple victims have been harmed, shot, I would assume, in this area of Kansas City where the Chiefs fans, and again, it must have been over some time ago. This is not, there are a lot of people in this area, but there are not a, a ton of people. There are not thousands of people now in this area the fans have kind of disassembled and are leaving and walking down the streets in kansas city and uh, the stage area where they had the celebration there's not many people near that at all there's still some groups of people there and there is a tremendous police presence as you can imagine for this situation now that shots have been fired but we will keep an eye on this Uh, you know it's a news story but it's also a sports story so it's something that obviously caught my eye because you never and I always worry about this. Look, uh, we we have, of course the last 20 22 and a half years have become more vigilant about crowds and things that can happen because of what happened on 911. I think we all know that and I have held my breath and been scared for all of us uh, praying to God that it nothing ever happens at a sporting event and and, I, and I'll tell you the reason why, um it's kind of an odd thing, if you will, but three days before 9-11 in 2001, Georgia played South Carolina in Sanford Stadium. I was actually in the stands that day. And for those of you who may remember that game in 2001, that was Lou Holtz. Uh, and and <laughs> it was a packed stadium. I mean, Sanford Stadium was like a sardine can. There were tremendous amounts of people in that stadium. I I, I don't whatever the whatever the capacity was in t- 2001, there had to be another 2,000 people in there because it was it was we were standing sideways. There were so many people, and I remember looking up at, during the game, and it was like a I think a 3:30 game I believe, and seeing those planes that fly over the stadiums. You know sometimes they'll have hey come to Toppers bring your bring your check stub to toppers and you'll get in half off or whatever you know they're just some kind of an announcement or message on the back of a plane and um i remember thanking god i hope to god that kind of plane never um crashes into a stadium and then four days later three days later i should say of course that was when nine eleven happened and it wasn't a stadium but it was buildings in new york and it just always was ironic to me that I thought about that, and then three days later, 9-11 happened. And uh, I pray to God nothing like that will ever happen because we are sports fans and we love to go to the events. These folks in Kansas City have been obviously um, enjoying their parade and and just thrilled with their tremendous team they have there in Kansas City. And uh, there have been some people here in the last 30 seconds as I've been talking that have been running away from a building that looked like there was the kind of the home of where they were housing this celebration. So I don't know if this shooter is in custody or not, but again, we'll kind of keep an eye on this in Kansas City, but let's hope everybody's okay. Let's just hope everybody is okay at this at this big event. Alright, we're going to take a break. Come back. A little basketball talk. Big trade rumor. Justin Tiscano in about 15 minutes. We're back here. I'm Bill Shanks. You're listening to The Bill Shanks Show.
0: Now, back to The Bill Shanks Show on the Superstations.
1: Welcome back to our broadcast. Thanks for joining us here on this Valentine's Day. We're going to have love songs today, right Chris?
2: That is correct, Uh, this is one of them.
1: Not Barry White for sure. No. Do we have any Barry White today? Uh, no. Chris, so Uh, you started... You you didn't
2: ask me for like cheesy options. easily obvious.
1: Okay. Well, so, what songs did you have on Jeff's show at noon? I didn't. wasn't listening, unfortunately.
2: We had um, Two Hearts by Phil Collins. We had The Doors. We had um, Okay, I'm trying to think. Okay, we got Kissing Angel Good Morning by Charlie Pride.
1: <laughs> okay.
2: Um, and this was by J Rad's request: uh, "Lost in Your Eyes" by Debbie Gibson. <laughs> he said that if we didn't play it, he was going to leave the superstation. Oh wow! <laughs> we also Debbie ha- Gibson. Yep. she's hot. Um, I'm not going to touch that.
1: Uh, <laughs> I would. No, um, she. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's what she said.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, she still looks good. She's like my age now, so.
2: And we also had The Flame by Cheap Trick and Your Love by The Outfield.
1: Okay. So I I was really expecting, like, cheesy, soupy, crappy songs here, but you're not doing that today.
2: There might be one or two. Okay. But, yeah.
1: All right. I, that's why I, I said The Barge and, you know, James Ingram, crap like that.
2: Yeah, I didn't want you to get on to me like I did like you did when I played Walter Payton or the waitresses.
1: <laughs> the waitresses. What the hell was that? That was crazy. All right, so we look forward to that on the show today. Can't wait. Now um there has been a report this afternoon by Howard Beck, who is with the ringer, that the Atlanta Hawks discussed a Trey Young trade with the San Antonio Spurs right before the NBA trade deadline last Thursday. Many people around the NBA believe that Young could be traded by the Hawks this summer instead of DeJounte Murray. One Eastern Conference executive said he, meaning Trey Young, is available. Young signed a five-year, $215 million contract with the Hawks in August of 2021. He will make $43 million next season and $45 million in twenty-five twenty-six. Another Western Conference executive said the Hawks, quote, would love to trade Trey. Young is averaging 27 points, 10.9 assists, while shooting 42.8 from the field. He has 34 double-doubles in 49 games. He does not have a, no trade calls in his contract. He has a career averages of 25.6 points, 9.5 Assist. He is often linked to the Lakers because he has the same agent as LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and he actually has a home, I believe, in Los Angeles as well. You know, um, I like Trey Young. I, I'm not a, a a crazy, out of control Trey Young fan because I want to win, and the Hawks do not win. Hawks have a superstar. There is no question that Trey Young is. Uh, considered a superstar in in the nba although he doesn't get a whole lot of love at times but here's the deal i i I want for the hawks to win if it looks like the atlanta hawks cannot win with trey young then i don't give a damn if they trade him or not now if they do trade him i hope that they trade him for a whole heck of a lot because the hawks have never had a player the caliber of Trey Young that they were able to trade I mean when Dominique Wilkins was traded he was a little bit older and of course they traded him for Danny Manning a player who they hoped 30 years ago would turn around and re-sign a contract with them he was younger than Dominique he had only been in the league for a couple of years he was very young like maybe 24, 25 Dominique was already over 30 that didn't work out of course and they know they didn't only get lose Dominique Wilkins they lost Danny Manning too that was a horrible situation. So, um, you know, I, I I know some people are going to have very strong feelings about this and, and are not going to want Trey Young to be traded at all. And I understand that. However, I just want to win. And if they need to trade Trey Young and get some more players on this team and get more draft picks, now this year, uh, you know, they're already going to have probably – a well, I don't know what kind of draft pick they're going to have. They're going to have one in the top fifteen, I guess. They may be in the lottery, but maybe they keep Dejounte Murray because he's got a very affordable contract and trade Trey Young. And again, as long as they get a lot of talent back for him, I, I'm not going to cry if they trade Trey Young. He's an exciting player. He he's fun to watch at times. He's frustrating to watch at times. He plays no defense whatsoever. But you know, it makes you think. Well, is the thought of them trading Trey Young and keeping DeJounte Murray something they should seriously consider. And maybe it is. Maybe that is something they should seriously consider. Again, they're not winning. They have a sub-500 record right around 500 since they went to the Eastern Conference Finals a few years ago. So I want to win. And if uh, you have a star player who has not... Help that team win, then you got to consider trading him. You either trade everybody around him, or you trade him. You got two options. If you're not winning, you have two options: trade the star, trade everybody around him, and start over. So, you know, I, I I'm reacting to this not in shock or not with uh, you know uh, just a, a, as a shocking thing or or being aghast at the situation because. Trey Young has not helped the Hawks win since they went to the Eastern Conference Finals. Has it been his fault the Hawks have not won? Not necessarily, but we expected after that run for them to do more the next year, and instead they've been stuck. And now they're going through another coach with Quinn Snyder, and they still are a few games under 500. They are 24-30. and 30 Right now in the season they play at Charlotte tonight, they're going to be very handcuffed in this game because they're not going to have Clint Capella or Kongwu Anyeka Kongwu, so they're not going to have a very big presence, although Charlotte is awful. It may not matter, but uh, we'll see what happens tonight. You can hear that game here on the Superstations tonight, and um, then they play at home against Toronto on Friday. Hawks are 10th in the East, though, and this is not a team that, people have gotten excited about. There maybe should be more excitement about a player like Trey Young. But, you know, he was traded for Luka Doncic in the draft. Then the other player who was acquired, Cam Reddish, started strong. And then all of a sudden, of course, he got traded inexplicably because he didn't fit in or whatever the heck was going on. So maybe they do need to trade Trey Young. I want the Hawks to win. I I, I want the Hawks to win more than to be – shocked by his talent of scoring a lot of points and shooting from half court. I don't give a crap. I want the Hawks to win. So if, if that's the answer for the Hawks to win, so be it. And we'll, you know, ask that question later on when we start taking phone calls. All right, we're going to take a break, come back to baseball next. Justin Toscano from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution will join us. He'll tell us about seeing the players on the field for the first time today That and more as we continue right after this.
0: Now, back to the Bill Shank Show on the Superstations.
1: Ah, this is a good one. See, we we could have had Chris. We could have had some love songs, and then like bring in a backroom commercial, and maybe some baseball songs, taking us to commercial. Because as much as it's Valentine's Day and Ash Wednesday, for that matter, it's also the day that pitchers and catchers report. Well, but we we could have had a meeting about that, but we didn't.
2: Well, we could we can do that. I do got baseball songs loaded in our system, so okay. we can do that.
1: Okay, let's do that. Okay. Because we're talking baseball here, as Terry Cashman said. Welcome back to our program here on this Wednesday. Let's talk about the Atlanta Braves, who did report, pitchers and catchers did, for spring training today. A lot of them had already been there. Justin Toscano is the beat writer for the Atlanta Braves, for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You can follow him on Twitter at Toscano on Twitter. And, of course, read his content, AJC.com. Happy New Year to you. How's the uh, weather in Northport?
0: Yeah, well, thanks for having me, first off, Bill, and uh no, it's awesome, it's awesome, it was, uh, I think it was pretty brisk here this morning, it was like 60 and windy, but I think that's like a good winter day uh anywhere else, that's as warm as it's going to get, so it's been, yeah, it's been 70, sunny, not too humid just yet, I'm, I'm sure we'll get there, but man, its it's been perfect, I love seeing that sun out, because I feel like every weekend in Atlanta this winter, this off season, it was like raining i mean yeah. we we're good for like one or two rain days every
1: weekend i know it seems like it well probably the week i get there in march it'll be hot as hell but i i was telling people earlier justin and you've been down there a couple of years now you know in february you got to pack a jacket because that wind could be crazy in february can it
0: yeah i know i you know what i've i always this year i've only got like a crew neck sweatshirt and then a quarter zip. Uh <laughs> and so I'm like I'm I'm kinda living on the edge honestly, but I think you're you're totally right. It's it's funny how much the wind you get out there and you're watching stuff and man when it's cloudy and, and windy it can it can kind of rip through you here. Yeah.
1: And you can still get a sunburn. That's what's scary about it. Uh, you have to be careful about that. <laughs> I read your article today in the AJC about things you're, you're looking at, and the fifth starters competition is the first thing you mentioned. And I love spring trainings when there's a fifth starters job competition, and this could be a good one. Um, ha- handicap it for us. What do you think you're, we're going to see over the next six weeks with this competition to be behind Freed, Strider, Morton, and Sell?
0: Yeah, of course. I'm the same way. I mean, that's, I mean, us baseball nerds love that little, yeah. like, nitty-gritty stuff. And I think as you look at it this year, you've got Bryce Elder, who's kind of the incumbent, right? Like, you know, he didn't have a great second half, but you could make the case that he just tired out, you know, pitching more with a bigger workload and, and better competition than he ever had. Uh, and then you've got A.J. smith Shaver, who's, you know, the young guy, tons of talent, tons of potential, flash some of that stuff. Needs to refine it a little bit with a little better control. But, I mean, he's certainly got stuff that, you know, a lot of the guys that were depth starters did not last year. Um, and then you have Ronaldo Lopez, who still, I mean, despite the Chris Sale acquisition, is still in line to compete for that job because the Braves feel that, you know, he's a guy who might fit them best in the rotation despite, you know, how dominant of a late-inning reliever he He is, as they saw in the summer last year when he shut them down over a couple appearances. Um, So, yeah, it's going to be – I mean, I wouldn't completely rule out Hurston Waltrip. I mean, he would have a a hill to climb in terms of, you know, a a Dodd or Schuster-ish spring, you know, in terms Mm -hmm. of like maybe one inning over – or one run over 19 innings or something to to Mm -hmm. put him in that conversation because he's – you know, he's still got some developing. But I wouldn't rule him out just because it – you know, he climbed four levels last year over two months. Uh, and it looks like he's on the doorstep of his major league debut, so it's uh, it it'll be a good one. Six time six weeks is a long time to figure it out.
1: No question. We had Kylie McDaniel from ESPN on yesterday, Justin, and he talked about Waldrop, and of course that splitter, and that splitter is something that we could see perhaps, especially if he is not pitching against first teamers just dominating people for a couple of weeks I mean I wouldn't be surprised by that at
0: all would you no no not at all and especially because I mean shoot these days you might get what three or four weeks into spring training before the regulars are are all in the same lineup Mm -hmm. playing you know five or six innings at a time I mean they they build up pretty gradually to it in terms of the workload and trying to keep guys fresh so yeah I mean I I think that splitter is devastating. I mean, that's something that the Braves identified in you know in him in the draft, and they loved and they thought it was you know one of the best out pitches in the draft. Uh, and he was terrific. I mean, you have to consider, I mean, shoot, uh, sometimes who knows what you can take over you know numbers from small samples, but a one five three ERA over almost thirty innings uh, in that two month professional baseball stint last year after the draft. He got as high as triple A. I mean, I think that splitter is really, you know, nasty and, and devastating and something that yeah, I mean it's it's gonna be a tough evaluation because that pitch, you know, appears to be so good. It's gonna look even better <laughs> against a lot of the guys he'll be facing early on in spring training games. So I'm I'm excited to, you know, hopefully he gets a a large chunk of camp. Uh, and goes for as long as he can go, so we can see it against some of those, you know,
1: big leaguers. When Alex Anthopoulos was on our show a couple of weeks ago, and we we talked about the fifth star's job a little a little bit with him, mentioned Elder. We mentioned Lopez, of course, because of how they described their potential use for him when they signed him in December. And he made sure not to leave out Waldrop. He made sure not to leave out A.J. Smith-Shawler. And even yeah. mentioned Huascar Noah as well, who he said was yep. going to be healthy coming into camp. I mean, to me, after hearing him say that, Justin, it it made it seem like even though you're right, Elder should be considered more of a favorite or of an incumbent, that this thing's wide open. That if any of those other guys, even A.J. Smith-Sholver, because I made the comment about, well, wouldn't it be better for the organization if A.J. smith Shalver and Waldrop spent some significant time in AAA A and of mm-hmm. course, not saying this to him, but especially if Morton and Freed are gone next year to allow those two to take mm-hmm. over, and he said, "Yeah, but you know what? If those guys are the best ones in camp, we're going to take them on opening day." And I don't think we should be surprised by that, should we?
0: No, no. And you're totally right. Like I think as much as Bryce Elder is the returner who is an all star and proved he can, you know, do it over a full season or really, you know, half a season. I mean, I've heard it's you know a true competition and that it is wide open. I mean, I think and yeah, like you go back through the entire offseason. What Alex Populis said about you're right, like you know it was a name I forgot to mention before that broken hand. I mean, he was incredible. He was yeah. probably the greatest, best early uh, starter early in that season, um, and there's certainly potential and there's certainly upside there. They kept him around to find that out, and uh, and yeah, you're I. I, it is wide open, and I wouldn't be surprised. Look, I guess the way I would put it is this. Last year at this time, uh, when I spoke to you on the show, I did not have Jared Schuster or Dylan Dodd very high <laughs> on the radar. Like when we discussed the fifth starter competition and those options, you know, right. from, I think we were discussing, oh, Ian Anderson versus Michael Soroka, the best yep. friends, and then you had Bryce Elder uh, behind them. I, I didn't see Dodd or Schuster coming in. And I think that's one thing that, you know, Alex and the organization does well is you show those guys in that big league camp that, hey, if if you're here, if you've got a locker, you're going to have an opportunity. Mm -hmm. And I think, yes, there are guys that they would prefer, you know, develop. Like, everybody would prefer their prospects get more seasoning. But at a certain point, the game in baseball is that you have to be willing to pull the trigger on some of these guys. I mean, you can't pearl-clutch prospects forever in in terms of their development. I mean, yeah, they've shown that, look, they're going to be aggressive. I mean, whether it's Michael Harris coming up, you know, for Travis DeMeritt and Co. Uh, in 2022, or last year with A.J. Smith-Schauber debuting at 20 years old and having only pitched full-time for a year and a half. I, yeah, like, I would not count out, you know, like, look, if he blows the doors off of everyone, like, he's going to be the guy. Like, yeah. same with Hurston Waldrip. Like, if – and I think – I think Bryce Elder is young enough. It's kind of like – you look at it like it is in all of sports, right? Like Bryce Helder is a guy, you know, he's not a young winner. He's, you know, an all-star last year, but he's young enough that I think look like he's going to have to win this job. Like it's not going to be like an advantage, you know, extreme advantage is given to him because of what he did last year. Because I think when you're the Braves, you're in a spot right now with all these options that that you should be choosy and you can be choosy. And I think you should, you know, expect, greatness from that fifth spot especially when you look at you know how last year i think the guys the 12 guys and three of them were openers who filled in the rest of the 55 starts you know in the fifth starter role um after the top four starters like those guys had like an era of i think like 5.15 i believe yeah, it was I think so. something like that mm-hmm. so i mean you've got to. this is a good chance to get off on a good foot and if i'm Wasgary you Noah know, or, or Hurston Waldrop, Like I'm certainly looking at what happened last year and saying, like, all right, man. Like if I'm the best guy, like they're going to take me. Options matter and things like that. But I mean, the Braves have proven they're not going to take somebody that's materially worse.
1: Justin Tiscano, our guest from AJC.com at Justin C. Tiscano. A few more more minutes with Justin here. He's in Northport where the Braves worked out today. All right, a c- couple things real quick now. I, I mean, look. Uh, Lopez may win the job but if Lopez goes back to that bullpen on paper that's the best bullpen in this sport right it's got to be it's unbelievable if he goes back to the bullpen
0: yeah i think if everybody's performing i i would agree with you i think like the way i see this is you've got the Braves you've got the Dodgers you've got the Phillies you've got you know the Astros again you you know you look at all these contenders i really think that and bullpens can be volatile. We know that, but I really think that this Braves bullpen would have to be the best in sport. And I, and I think, look, I mean, Ronaldo Lopez <laughs> adding to kind of the slew of late inning options with Rysell Iglesias, AJ Minter. I mean, we saw how good Pierce Johnson looked last year. Mm-hmm. We saw how good Joe Jimenez looked down the stretch when healthy, when he got further and further away from that back surgery he had uh, last off season this would have to be the best bullpen in the sport. I think the thing you would look at is is this. If, let's just say it played out like a situation like Iglesias, Minter, you know, Lopez, uh, Johnson, Jimenez, Lee, Matzik, and, um, you know, somebody else, Dylan Lee ends up, you know, yeah, bummer. Dylan Lee ends up being the only optionable guy in that group. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, from a roster construction standpoint, I would think that having Lopez as a fifth starter is probably like their best laid plans. Like there are ways to build in flexibility, but like that's what they had. We saw them last year that, that often, oftentimes they didn't have a ton of optionable guys in that bullpen and had to do some maneuvering. And I think that if Lopez is in the pen, it greatly strengthens the bullpen, but you lose some flexibility. And I'm going to be interested to see like what they pick, right? Because I think if Lopez is in the bullpen, that's an embarrassment of riches. But if they think Lopez can be a somewhat viable starter, that 5.15 ERA between 12 guys I mentioned, like that's a pretty easy bar to clear. So if you're looking at covering six months, maybe you just say, okay, well, you know, we'll have him in the rotation, especially because you would think you're going to have two openings at a time sometimes in some turns, just or one more opening in some turns, just because they're going to want to keep Chris Sale healthy. And I don't think they're going to push him to the brink. I think they'll kind of play him like Charlie Morton and skip starts and skip turns and give him extra days and things like that. So uh, there's going to be a lot of opportunities. we got about a minute
1: left. Tell me some of the other players you're looking forward to seeing, including any young prospects over the next six weeks.
0: Yeah, yeah. Nacho Alvarez, a young infielder. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. really intrigued to see him. He's on the non-roster invitee list. Uh, this one is pretty mainstream, but – I think Jared Kellenick's a really nice fit. Mm -hmm. Like, you look at what he did last year. He plays better defense than Eddie Rosario. Uh, He can give the same input, you know, offensively at least. And I really, the thing I watch for with him is I really like that he's going to be able to hit six or seven threes. Mm -hmm. I like that he's not going to have to carry the load. I'm going to be watching him. Um, And then you always want to see how the newcomers look, right? Like Chris Sale. Like, I want to see how Chris Sale looks. Um, you know, apparently his bullpen's been nasty. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm going to, those guys are probably, you know, an NRI and then a couple of the big league guys are three pretty good ones to talk about. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a great
1: six weeks. It looks like a great roster on paper. It's going to be a lot of fun. We look forward to your coverage. You're doing a great job covering this team. Justin for AJC.com and look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks and, uh, we'll probably have you on again soon as well, but thank you for your time and have fun down there. Okay.
0: Yep, sounds good. Thanks, Bill. Appreciate All right. it.
1: Yes, sir. Justin Toscano, at Justin C. Toscano on Twitter, AJC.com. And, of course, the station you're listening to right now is your home of the Atlanta Braves on the radio. Don't forget that. First game next Saturday from Florida. You're listening to The Bill Shanks Show.